The Lord has confirmed um, this word this morning. Um, Sister Emma, especially towards the end of the teaching, um, actually crossed over um, uh, some of the things that I'm, I'm going to be saying in the message this morning. I have the, the Sunday school material, but I didn't, I didn't look at it. Um, Sister Emma was preparing that. I didn't need to. But the Lord, once again, as Sister Emma said, has been orchestrating. He has been bringing together things and talking to us in a very special way. Jesus specially chose 12 disciples to train who would take the gospel forward after he had fulfilled his purpose on this earth of dying and being raised to life again for the sins of the world. These disciples were going to set up Jesus' church in the future. Everything was riding on them to learn from Jesus and pick up where he left off. These disciples were hand-picked, special, the best of the best. Or were they? These were common men. Very lower social class. There were at least four fishermen, which was not a noble profession in those days or even in these days. There was one tax collector who was loved by nobody but the Romans. There was one former zealot, which is a a rebellious individual against authority, particularly against the Romans in that time. And I can only imagine the backgrounds of the other disciples. There wasn't a spiritual leader, a scribe, a Pharisee, or even a shot of Sadducee among them. The Sadducees were not known for their, for their grasp of, of the Word of God. These were men that had issues. They were real people. They didn't grasp simple spiritual principles. They needed to be rebuked. They simply didn't get it sometimes. But Jesus chose them because he knew that they were needed to establish and drive forward the church in the future. He could see things that they could not in themselves. He invested his life's work in teaching in teaching and preparing them because Jesus could see the value in them. Even though he got frustrated with them sometimes, and he did, he could see the end goal and purpose and kept pressing forward. He used them. He sent them out. He worked miracles through them. And how did they repay him? In Luke 22 and 24, it says, talking about the disciples, and there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. They were in competition among themselves. They were comparing themselves to each other. They were, they were trying to say, I'm going to be the greatest. They weren't saying, you're going to be the greatest. No, no, they were saying, I'm the one that's going to be the greatest. And I can almost guarantee you that Simon Peter was in the middle of it somewhere, knowing what we know of his personality. And Jesus answered and he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves, is not he that sits at meat, but I am among you as he that serves. I've heard it said before, Jesus' kingdom was in many ways an upside-down kingdom. 
that which was natural to mankind or to the Jews, Jesus often turned it on its head. And so it was here when the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who serves. It wasn't going to be the one that that rose in competition over everybody else to the top. It was going to be the one that gives their lives to serve others. Jesus demonstrated that principle throughout his entire life. Even as a child in the temple, he answered questions on the law with the spiritual leaders in the temple in Jerusalem. He was serving them. He was trying to bring them closer to God. Then later on in his ministry, he taught a parable in Luke 18, 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. One a spiritual person, supposedly. One look over what we would call the church today. And the other a publican. Someone who was not godly at all. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Publicans had a reputation, and it was not unwarranted. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, he was comparing himself to this other person, and it was coming up very favorably in his Um, in his eyes. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This was a man who realized where he was at. And he was coming to God in repentance. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Jesus was saying that competition, comparison, doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. It's not to be named among us as Christians, because that's not what he's calling us to. That's not what he has put into place. This message is titled Competition. Competition. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, says, the Apostle um, Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now that's not just saying, well, that's just not, not really nice. Not wise means there are consequences. Not wise means that there are going to be very bad things that happen because they are doing these things. But we will boast, sorry, but we will not boast of things without our measure. They have a yardstick. They have a measurement, which is Jesus. But according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reach not unto you. For we are as come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. They weren't measuring themselves to the Corinthians. They weren't saying, well, we're better than you. They they were measuring themselves to Jesus, to the gospel of Christ. They were measuring themselves against the true measurement. Not boasting of things without a measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope. When your faith is increased, 
that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. It wasn't the things that they had done. They weren't taking credit for what other people had done. They weren't even taking credit for what they had done. But they were saying, God deserves the glory. It was him that put everything in place. It was him that was using them. For not he that commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. It's not about lifting ourselves up. That doesn't do anything. The Bible talks about those lifting themselves up being pushed down. We just read about that, being abased, being, um, being lowered, because God will do that for those that lift themselves up in pride. There are two sides to the coin of competition. On the one hand, you can compare yourself to somebody else, whether in the church or outside the church, and think that you're better than them. That's a favorable, com- favorable comparison in your, in your favor. On the flip side of the coin... You can compare yourself to somebody else and never think that you can measure up to that person or be like that person. And especially if you're comparing yourself to someone in the world and, and not coming up in a great way, then that, that can lead to, to um, very bad things, trying to imitate them when they're probably miles in debt and, and in, in horrendous ways themselves. Both sides of the coin are wrong. There's no 50-50 chance here. Flip a coin and it comes down, yes, I got it right this time. Every time you compare yourself to someone else, no matter what the comparison is, then you're on the wrong track. It's not what God would want for you. If you compare yourself to somebody else and think you're better, then that leads to pride. And that leads to destruction. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you compare yourself to somebody else and you think they're better, then that leads to self-doubt, low self-esteem and low self-worth. And if you compare yourself to somebody else and think you're on the same level, you get tempted to coast on the same level where you're at. There's no push to improve or do more for the kingdom of God. You think, they're all right, I'm all right, we're all good. Yes, I know that's three sides to a coin, but bear with me, please. Think of the third side as the edge of the coin. Not very likely to land there, but still an option. Pride is wrong. Insecurity is wrong. And coasting is wrong. I've preached messages on pride and low self-esteem very recently, but in isolation to other people. I was just looking, focusing on us. But this morning we're looking at what can easily cause pride and low self-esteem in us. And that is when we compare ourselves to other people in the church. When we start comparing ourselves to each other, bad things start to happen. Our focus gets taken off Jesus and his mission and gets put on other people. And that is never something that is good. When we are part of the church... Jesus expects us to work together, respecting our differences and different functions and abilities to get the job done. Jesus expects us to be us, not somebody else, not trying to be or striving to be somebody else. And if you're comparing yourself to, some, 
to, to someone else, that's really what you're looking at. Jesus made us who we are, unique, with a special and specific purpose. Not so we can compare ourselves favorably or unfavorably with other people. For example, I'm not Pastor Simon. And uh, if you think I am, then uh, you might need to get your eyes checked at an optometrist. I think Pastor Simon is an amazing teacher and preacher of God's Word. I think that God has given him great insight and ability to train up future church leaders. But I don't want to be Pastor Simon. I will never be Pastor Simon. But that doesn't mean that I'm worthless or that I have no value. If I tried to be Pastor Simon, I'd end up in a straitjacket with the men in white coats taking me away to a peaceful place. God didn't make me Pastor Simon. He has no expectation for me to be Pastor Simon. He made me Gavin with my own skills and talents that he wants me to use for his kingdom. I want to be the best Gavin I can be for God's kingdom. Because when we accept and understand who God made us to be, not trying to compare ourselves with others to make us look good or feel insignificant, then we can work together with the rest of God's people in the church to do amazing things in reaching the lost around us. You would have noticed that Sister Vanessa did a couple of announcements this morning. I'm not great at announcements. Um, I believe the term is an announcement killer. Um, And, but that doesn't mean that I'm useless or that I'm worthless. It means that Sister Vanessa has an opportunity to, to benefit the kingdom of God. It means that someone else can come in and work together with the body of Christ and move the church forward in a greater way. Bickering, infighting, comparison and competition should never be among us as a church. Jesus never preached that that was acceptable, quite the opposite. And he has set up the church in the same way that he preached. In God's plan, we all have a specific part and a purpose to play. Nobody, not one of us, not even the shyest person of us, or how little we feel about ourselves, none of us are insignificant. We are all important to the church and to the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, that we as a church may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Body is talking about us. It's not talking, well, it is talking about a human body, but it's making the comparison to the church. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, not some of the joints, not not every bit and piece here and there, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Nothing is left out. Nobody is left out in this verse. The Lord compares his church to the human body, where all of a person's body parts work together according to the will of the head, in unison, in harmony. You don't even have to think about moving your arm. It all works together as your mind is is telling it to work. The amazing thing about the human body 
is that there is no part of it that is useless or that isn't able to have an impact for the benefit of the entire body. We're talking about human body. Not talking about anything spiritual right now. The medical professionals always thought that there was at least one part of the human body that had no purpose. In line with evolution, they call them vestigial or leftover organs. Supposedly things that were previously important as the human body was evolving, but now have little to no use to us. They originally thought that there were several vestigial organs, but as technology and research has increased, they've realized that all of the parts of the body serve a specific and important purpose. For example, the tailbone, or coccyx, has several important functions. Along with being the insertion site for multiple muscles, ligaments, and tendons, it also serves as one leg of the tripod, along with the ischial tuberosities, which is talking about your legs, basically, that provides weight-bearing support to a person in the seated position. And that comes from the American National Institutes of Health website. Or tonsils, also thought to be a vestigial organ. The main function of tonsils is fighting infection. Your tonsils contain a lot of white blood cells which help kill germs. As, tonsils, as your tonsils are in the back of your throat, they can catch germs that enter your body through your nose or your mouth. That's from the Cleveland Clinic website. Even the appendix, which was supposed to be the main and last great example of a completely leftover and useless body part, appears to have a specific function. Even the name given to it, appendix, means something extra, something supplementary, something just added on at the end. The entire digestive tract... <laughs> let's say that again. The entire digestive tract helps with our immune system. But some scientists and doctors think the appendix may be a place for our body to store certain healthy types of gut bacteria that otherwise could be altered or changed during an intestinal illness or with overuse of antibiotics. Just because something appears to not have a purpose doesn't mean that it doesn't have a God-given purpose. People just need to realize what that is. See, God didn't design us with parts that are useless. He expertly crafted us out of the dust of the earth so that every part has a specific and a powerful purpose in helping the body to work properly. And when we apply that understanding to the church, he's already referred to, the, to us being like a human body, where Jesus is the head and we are all part of his spiritual body, we realize that every part, every person, is vitally important to the functioning of the rest of the body. You didn't accidentally join the church. You didn't come here by accident. And if you think you did, then uh, you're missing God's greater purpose in your life. It wasn't just a whim that drew you here or kept you here because you liked the music or any other part of the church or the fellowship or the love that you feel. You were here because God drew you here. He saved you because he needed you to be a part of the body so that it can function to the best of its ability. We are not by, here by accident. There's nobody here that's in the wrong church and needs to go somewhere else to be able to have an impact. No, we're all here because God has called us here and God wants to use us within our body here. Just because you haven't found where you fit in or you don't realize where you already fit in doesn't mean that you don't actually fit in. God has called you here and placed you in the body 
for a purpose. If you don't know what that is, start praying about it and making yourself available for whatever you can do to help the church. It doesn't have to be glamorous. You just have to be willing to help out the church as a whole. I guarantee you that God will show you how you can encourage and uplift the church. Sister Amber went into a few of those things this morning about just calling someone or being an encouragement or or even just showing up to church is an encouragement to others. Just because God doesn't use you the same way that he uses somebody else does not make you small and unimportant. Just because you're not in a pulpit preaching doesn't make you useless in the kingdom of God. God needs everybody in the part that he has given them to be working together to move the body, the church, forward. Without you, without your help, without you fulfilling your purpose in the church, we are not the same as a church body. Our church, this church, can't reach its full potential. The Bible even says so. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Sister Emma talked a little bit about spiritual gifts this morning. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one and the self-same Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. You see, God doesn't give everything to everybody, but he chooses. He knows what we are uh, capable of handling. He knows how he wants to use us, and he knows our, um, our gifts that he has given us, even if we don't realize them ourselves and he gives us things he gives us his gifts of the spirit to edify the body to lift it up to encourage to bring together to help people get closer to god for as the body is one and has many members once again talking about the human body and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is christ so also is the church For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether whatever nationality we are, whether we be bond or free, whether we have have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. We're not all the same. We're not the same part of the body. We all have different functions. We all can work together to encourage, to uplift, to strengthen, but in different ways, just like the little finger is not the same as, as your gallbladder. All different things, but everything is important. Everything can work together to make something greater than just an individual. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
It's like saying, I'm useless. I don't belong here. I, 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 I don't deserve to be in the church. No, but the foot is important. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Saying that we would be deficient if we didn't have the whole body, if we didn't have different people with different skills and, and abilities and, and God-given talents and, and God-given gifts through His Spirit, we would be the worst. We, we would not function as God desire, desires us to function. But now has God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased Him. We are not here accidentally. We are placed in the body in a very specific place. And if they were all one member, where were the body? We're no longer a body, we're just an eye. If we're, we're all eyes. But now, are they many members? Yet, but one body. Because we all work together. Because God has designed us to work together, to encourage, to move everything forward in Him. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. You see... If we think that we're not an important part of the body, we're wrong because everyone is important. Every person in this place is important to the body. Every single person. And if you're saying, not me, pastor, well, you're wrong because God has put, put you in here for a very specific purpose to encourage the body in a very specific way. That there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. You see, if we're not working together, we start comparing ourselves to each other. And that leads to schisms. That leads to divides. That leads to cliques. That leads to, to the body not functioning together because part of it's not working the way that it should. It's, it's kind of cut off. It's kind of removing itself from where God is designed it to be in the church. That, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Not be jealous of that one member that is, is being lifted up at that time, but we realize that we all work together. We all are helping in the success of that one member. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? The answer to that is no, we're not. But then God hasn't designed us all to be apostles. That's like everybody being an eye. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. 
We all have a design and a purpose in the body of Christ. Think about the human body for a moment. How much do you love your big toe? When someone asks you about your most important body parts, is your big toe first on the list? Yes, that's, that's one of the most important things that I have. Is it important to you or do you not give it a second thought? Do you say to other people, I love your big toe. That's a great big toe. No, we generally cover up our big toes. Why not? Why don't we say that? But if your big toe was cut off or stopped working properly, you would notice it immediately. Try walking normally without a big toe. You would lose your balance. You would fall over because the big toe helps with balance and stability and pushing forward when you walk or you, or you run. But it's just a big toe. It's just that big lump on the, the bottom of my foot. Just because you're working behind the scenes, you're not out in the open, you're covered by a big spiritual shoe, doesn't mean that you don't serve an important purpose in the church. I would hate not having a big toe because it serves such an important purpose. And you can say the same thing to any other part of the body because God didn't give us anything left over or useless. We miss anything that we don't have in our body because it has an important function. We need every part to function properly, just like we need every person in the church doing their part. When somebody doesn't do their part or gets sick or depressed or tries to withdraw, we all feel it as a church because there's a big hole to fill. There's, 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 there's that gap that God had designed for that person to fill that's not there anymore. We need the spiritual big toe to keep us balanced and moving forward, even though it doesn't seem to be that glamorous. So if you're the big toe in the church, don't get down because you're not the eye or the hand or the bicep, we need you. We're lost without you. Whatever your function in the church, do it with all your might. Because without you, we are so much less. We can't reach the purpose that God intends for this church without you. And with you working together with us, we can reach God's full potential for the church. You, yes, you are important in the kingdom of God. I'm pointing to everybody this morning. You are important for the church to move forward. Without you, we are crippled. With you, we are powerful. With you, we can walk properly without falling over. This isn't a message so you can get a big head. <laughs> but it's a message so you realize you're important in God's church. If you would stand this morning. And if I could get someone to the piano, please. I can feel the Spirit of the Lord moving, and I know He's moving on people's hearts this morning. God doesn't call us to compare ourselves with others in the church, whether that's favorable to you or not, whether it makes you feel good or it makes you feel down. And He certainly hasn't called us to compare ourselves to those outside the church, because that only leads to pain and probably loss of salvation. But he wants us to know this morning our importance in his body. If you haven't realized that 
You're important to the body. Now's the time to do that. And I just invite you to come. If you realize that you've been comparing yourself to others in the church, it's a very natural thing. People do it out in the world all the time. They say it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. People climbing to reach the top, pushing each other down, comparing themselves against themselves to see whether they're on the upper hand. God doesn't call the church to that. So if you find that you have been, now's the time to say, Jesus, I'm going to keep my eyes on you and what you have given me to do, not what other people are doing, not what everybody else seems to be doing, but the purpose that you have given to me in the church. This is a time to realize that we are important to the kingdom of God. This is a time to push away those comparisons because that only leads to pain and hurt, whichever way you find yourself. So I invite you to come to the front of the church this morning. I invite you to talk to Jesus. Find your purpose in the kingdom of God. Find yourself realizing that God has given you a purpose and a function and an ability that no one else has in the church. You are you. Don't try to be someone else. You are you. Don't try to be someone else. So won't you come? Why don't you talk to Jesus?